Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, it's an essential skill these days and one that most of us learn how to do in our younger years. But with the backlogs in driving tests being an ongoing issue, how are our driving schools and driving instructors faring in what much must be a very busy time? I'm delighted to look at the business of driving instructors and indeed driving schools. And I'm delighted to be joined by Dara Dunn of Allied Driving Instructors. Kevin Horgan also joins us. He's the Managing Director of the Ladybird Driving School. And from Cork, we've got uh, Darren Milan from the Milan School of Motoring in Cork. So you're all very welcome to the programme. Um, Dara, I might start with you, if I may. Um, Tell us a little bit about the, your world of being a driving instructor, just so we might understand uh, how the business works. My world of being a bi- driving instructor, uh, probably busy. Um, I've been at it for 18 years or so now. Right. Um, started off working for someone else, uh, start my own business then, have a few instructors that I'll pass work out to. Um, as the owner of a small little driving school, I'll spend plenty of time on the road myself giving lessons, but then there's plenty of admin that goes to it as well. So whether it just be the marketing to to get the business going and keep working for the other guys that I work with or the, the paperwork involved in uh, getting the EDT lessons done and uploaded and fixing the various problems that might happen with that and then trying to figure out what's happening in, in the world of driving instructors and road traffic leg- legislation, stuff like that, you know, New laws come along and we don't necessarily hear about them from the RSA. So I, I'm a bit of a driving nerd in that regard. I like to kind of uh, keep an idea of what's going on and, and what the, the newest rules are and okay. make sure things are going on properly. So you'd have a view then on things like the new speeding uh, regulations that are talked about a lot I, I would have in a the view media on, recently. I would have a view of that and I would have a view on every little new design of uh, a junction that's put in around the place. As driving instructors, we spend all our day looking at what can go wrong at a junction. Yeah. You know, if someone is going to make a mistake in the car that uh, is ours and, and the learner that's driving beside us, or if someone else is going to make a mistake, we're keeping an eye on what can go wrong there. So if a new junction design comes along, I'll be looking at that and kind of going, right, there's no reason for that stop line to be too far back. Every single car that comes up to that now is just driving two metres past the stop line before they stop. So what's that happening? It's, it's teaching people to ignore stop lines and stop signs and stop after them. Okay. And the only people that stop at the stop line have L plates and driving school signs on their car. Okay. Um, we'll come back to some yeah. of the minute in a minute. Uh, let me introduce our second guest, uh, who's uh, Kevin Horgan, Managing Director of the Ladybird uh, Driving School. Kevin, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks, Bobby. Good to be now, here. Now, yours is a... Is a female-only model, is that right? Yeah, an all-female instructor driving school. Um, 30 years I'm in the industry and National Driving School was my previous business. It's still currently the same. Um, and as I saw about six, seven years ago, a big demand from requests coming in for female instructors from my own school. So with the influx of new people into the country, that's putting pressure on demand. Um, I saw that we set uh, five years ago Ladybird Driving School up. It was a slow, slow to start, but it's really taken off now across the country. We've got 80 self-employed instructors that we train in-house. How many? Over 80 instructors now. Wow. So we trained them at source. We sell the franchise to them then, and then we manage them after that so, to, so that it's successful. The COVID brought us about three times the workforce because a lot of females lost their jobs. 
they take the big the big uh, heave on domestic with the kids and the family and so on and they needed something that they could was worthwhile that they could still have their family run and that they could also um, make a living on okay so can I ask you then as as a female only uh, instructor base your your customers are most yeah. of them females no incorrect so the interesting stat on that is 48 52 percent. Uh, trade-off, right? We've got one of the highest pass rates in the country. I think we had 132 passes in the month of August uh, or maybe July. Uh, so yeah, so they want they want quality, they want standards, and that's what we're all about. So we're, we're pushing that side of things um, and that's what I'm all about, quality and reputation. Okay, very interesting. Stay with us. Our third guest is in Cork and his name is Darren Milan and he's from the Milan School of Motoring in uh, Cork. Very good morning to you, Darren. How are you? Good morning, how are you? Good, tell us a little bit about you and your business if you would. Well, myself and my wife set up um, Milan School of Motoring. I set it up in 2006 and my wife then went on to become an RSA driving tester and she was let go by the RSA and basically the backlog is really affecting driving instructors at the moment. And we're gone to the stage where we, everybody, like what I'm finding is happening with this in, is people are looking to stamps, basically, like as in they don't want to learn how to drive properly. They're coming and they're going, I need my EDT book stamped. I need to get onto this list. And if I don't get onto the list, I'm going to be waiting another year for a test. Yeah, so, so doing, just Darren, sorry to, to cut across you there, but just so I understand that, so uh, you have to do 12 lessons, isn't that right? That's mandatory. Yeah, and then you, then you book for your test. But there's the way the backlogs are at the moment, you could have somebody who doesn't have a car, who pays you for 12 lessons, and then doesn't drive for six months and is expected to pass a test. Is that the kind of everyday reality of what happens? Every, that is the everyday reality. And I've gone to the stage where myself and my wife have actually stopped hiring our cars through driving tests because kids are coming, they're taking 12 lessons and they think they're up to the standard of driving and they're nowhere near us. Like, they say you need about 120 hours of actual driving practice before you'd actually be ready for a test. Right. And, like, the backlog is the way it is at the moment because the RSA are coming out and they're saying, oh, we're hiring 75 people. But they're not telling the public that they left 50 go last August. Yeah. Yeah, they left 50 examiners go last August that had six years' experience at the job that were well settled in, well able to do the job. And, like, when new examiners come in, it takes a while to get to know the job. Yeah. Like, even, even a driving instructor, when they qualify, it takes a year or two before they become sharp at the job. And it's the same with an examiner. They get seven weeks training and they're left out testing the public. And, like, on one hand, the RSA left go 50 examiners that had six years experience at the job. And three weeks later, they've done a recruitment campaign to hire another 75 testers. And the list has gone now from 14 weeks nationally up to a year. Wow. Okay. Well. Okay. We'll we'll come back to that uh, in a, in a in a second, uh, Darren. Yeah, Dara, just about the is the system kind of broken at the moment in your view? Yes. 
There's no two ways about it. Okay, so what what uh, what Darren was saying there around the backlog, the gap from somebody yeah. doing their twelve lessons to actually completing a test seems to be a real problem. It is, and there's more besides <clears throat> the EDT syllabus wasn't designed by driving instructors. Back when that started, we were asked, you know, what changes we would make to this. What we perceived was a proposal and we made our suggestions and a lot of people had the same sort of suggestions and then we found out that that was it. It was done and dusted. It was off the printers and away to go. Um, an aspect that gets overlooked a lot is even from the RSA, it is supposed to be 36 hours of practice matched up with each of the 12 lessons. So three hours of practice before each lesson. It just doesn't quite get work, get done like that. The RSA do a lot of media, but they're not really pushing the idea that you need to practice. You need to practice, practice, practice. Darren mentioned 120 hours. That's the, the recommended amount of uh, driving in Australia. Every country in the world that has a decent road safety record, um, and even the ones that don't, are still recommending more hours of lessons and more hours of practice. But the queue is just too long at the moment. So people do their lessons and then they can't afford necessarily to keep on driving. Some can, and that's great. And they'll take the odd little uh, yeah. refresher lesson in between, but a lot of people can't. So they're six months away from driving and then they come back. Now, a bit of planning from people can help if they get their invitation and before picking the test date, then say to a driving instructor, can I get a load of lessons between now and then and talk about picking a test date at that stage? They stand a good chance, chance of passing. But no shortage of people will pick a test date in a rush to do it because they've been waiting for so long and the date is for Monday. Yeah. And it's <clears> Saturday <throat> morning and you want Sunday <clears throat> off. I've been very close to this space because I had three, well, I have four daughters, three of whom drive. And let's say we had mixed experiences around uh, driving test days yeah. uh, with some very panicky days Absolutely. and stuff having to be fixed in the car at the last minute. A uh, very stressful time. The Just one question I had for you, uh, Kevin, is the automatic versus manual debate. Um, are we seeing the end of the, of the uh, manual transmission? In other words, do you need that anymore? There was a time where I would have said that you had to have that and then you, you defaulted to automatic. But with the arrival of electric cars now and that, how has that changed what you're teaching? Well, I suppose, <clears throat> I, uh, you know, the, the concept of electric cars is fine. I think that the price range that learner drivers are in is certainly way way out of their league, right? Yeah, so you're not getting um, too many people. Yeah, I think that we're way off here in terms of what we want to happen. The infrastructure is not there in terms of battery chargers. Um, we've only got one supplier of electricity. Um, so, yeah, while there is, you know, a demand for automatic has increased, I don't think that's going to be a problem for a number of years, five, maybe 10 years. You really look at, it that, at that again and it might, be, it might be something that might take off over here at that point. But right now, I don't think so. But could, can I, could I just come in on the uh, RSA? What people probably don't understand is that the book stops with the Department of Transport here. The RSA are foot soldiers for the Department of Transport. So they hold the purse strings, they hold the budgets. And what they've done now... Uh, by letting go, as Darren said in Cork, they let go of the 60 or 70 uh, testers to take on 
um, 40 or 50 new testers on an 18-month contract. Now that's not that's not there's no chance of a career after that. So they're not going for the for the actual job, right? right. So we've got that. We've got an influx of volume of needing more lessons. The, the the students are stuck, right? So there's a crisis in 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 our industry now. And unless the Department of Transport see that things a different way, or we all go on bikes, <laughs> we're going okay. to be we're well, going to be in trouble. I, I'm conscious we don't have somebody from the RSA here, yeah. so uh, I, and, and I'm 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 sensing uh, your collective frustration uh, with the process. So we'll come back to that in a mm-hmm. minute, um, Darren. If if is it easier to pass a test uh, driving an automatic or a manual? Is or what's the what what advice would you say to somebody who asked you that question? What I always tell people that come to me for an automatic is do your test in a manual. Right. And the reason being is <clears throat> if you go away and do your test in an automatic and you get a job in five years' time, you're restricted. You can only drive an automatic vehicle. At car hire desks, you're the same. You can only drive an automatic vehicle. So I'd always try to advise people to do the test in a manual and go away and buy your automatic then if you want to. Even though manuals are, are kind of, like there's some, I, I saw there that the latest Mini, they're not making them in manual anymore, even though ultimately manual probably isn't going to be with us, it's still probably good advice because it's it's a long time before we'll see that day. It is, and like automatic vehicles <coughs> are much more expensive to buy as well. They're like, you're probably talking five or six thousand more for an automatic than a manual. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, the the morning of the test and when the tester says, I'm not taking you out because of X, Y or Z, I've been that soldier as well. Tell me about some of your experiences around that, Dara, in terms of if the tax is out of date, if there's a, a bulb uh, not working uh, in, the, in, the, in a brake light, they, you, yeah. they just won't go out with you. Well, <coughs> when my wife was a tester, she was told to allow people 10 minutes. So if there was a bulb gone in the car, she was told to allow them 10 minutes. Yeah. Now, I guess the RSA can take a car out on the road with a brake light gone or an engine management light on. I get that. But there's a few small things. Like we were having problems in Cork at one stage where they were, they were refusing the printed discs from insurance because they weren't green enough. Right. So we did have an experience in Cork at one stage where testers were really looking for reasons not to go out. Like one of them was the the AXA discs. They were fading. The green strip at the side of them were fading to turquoise. We've had a few of those refused. <laughs> okay. Now, to, be, to be fair, the supervisor <clears throat> stepped in there and sorted us. Okay. But like, the biggest one would be people cut the green strip off the disc off the insurance disc. And they won't take it if the green strip has gone off the disc. Right, right. And another, another reason would be if the door doesn't open from the inside. Now, that's a big safety aspect. Like, if a door doesn't open from the inside and there's an accident, the tester can't get out of the car. Yeah. Like, I completely agree with the safety aspects of things. Uh, like, it, I wouldn't take a car out with ball tires myself or defective brake lights or anything like that. Dara, in terms of the, the on the day, what advice would you give to somebody who is having their test this morning in terms of the preparation, getting your head right, 
to, to, to ensure the best chance of passing. Yeah, so a lot of the stuff you need to make sure is ready to go before the So you don't want any test. stress around the guy saying there's a problem with the car? As, as little as possible. Yeah. You know, the, the discs need to be in proper order, the uh, tyres need to be in good condition, the brake lights and indicators, you'll check them the day before, but a bulb can go at any time. I have had it myself where in a pre-test lesson in the air before, uh, check the bulbs, they were fine, and within that air the bulb went, and thankfully the tester let me change a bulb while... Uh, that the learner was waiting to go out. So stuff can happen last minute, but you want to minimise that, and that was kind of once in 18 years. Um, but I would always say, get a drive-in before the test. Yeah, You need to understand yourself, and some people can get tired if they're doing too much driving, so you want you know, not too long of a lesson. Uh, but a lot of people, they're just kind of warming up after half an hour, 40 minutes and you know it's a short drive on a test so if they have that drive same with any other sport get into the habit of doing things properly and have that drive get yourself mentally ready to go and you arrive with your confidence fairly high then in that scenario that you've you've just done it you're, half an hour you're before mentally warmed up yeah. either you've been doing things properly or something disastrous has happened and mentally some people can kind of go right well that's it that's the worst that'll happen today it'll all be good from here um, maybe last word to you, Kevin. You mentioned mm. pass rates there. Mm, mm. Why do people typically uh, fail the test? Uh, what, yeah. what are the what are the reasons? The most common reasons? Yeah, that, lack of preparation. Okay, simple as that, right? So we get I, I in the last couple of weeks, I've had about four or five that I couldn't give the car to. That only wanted a lesson on the day of the test or two days before the test. They hadn't driven in six months or a year because they've been waiting for the test date. Uh, they come in way off the mark um, and you, we're not magicians, you can't do it, right? So unless you're going to give yourself every chance, spend a few bob, it's going to cost a few bob, but it's, it, the alternative is fail back into the system again. And quickly on that note, on the tests that are, that are waiting 78,000, 48,000 people didn't turn up yeah. for their test because there's a loophole there of one year that they renew the license, okay? So unless they close that off somehow, you're going to have that amount of people that are applying. But listen, preparation that's, is key. Yeah, no, that's a good point what you mentioned there so that the system is saying Clogged. Uh, that it pay, it's actually encouraging people to drop off because they can continue to drive on a provisional 100%. for longer, is that it? 100%, another year and it's continuous for that's 10 crazy. years, 15 <clears throat> nuts, yeah. Okay, well, we, uh, it's an interesting world. Uh, it's a very uh, personalised business. I assume you get to know uh, your clients and your customers very well. I'm sorry to hear that you have so many, I suppose, departmental frustrations, uh, but uh, wishing you all well in your business. Darren Milan from Milan School of Motoring in Cork, Dara Dunn from Allied Driving Instructors, Instructors and Kevin Horgan. Uh, the Managing Director of Ladybird Driving School. Thank you all for joining Thanks, us this Bobby. morning. And if you need professional lessons ever, just come into us. <laughs> there was one child still had to pass the test, was it? Say again? There was one child still had to pass the test, yeah. was it? There is, yeah, still one. And one of them, I have to say, took, and she's going to kill me for saying yeah. this, on her eighth time. The other two got it first time. Oh, wow, you'll get we, we, we had one who was eight. Rivalries. <laughs> all right, thanks right. again, guys. Thanks, thank guys. Thank bye you. Bye. Thank you. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.